This is David Rhymes, and you're listening to Foot Notable, a podcast where we discover the truth is in the details. Hey, all you Foot Notable fans. Hello, everyone. It's Orrin and I. Welcome. With another episode to educate you, to entertain you, to waste about 40 minutes of your day. 40 minutes. <laughs> 30, 40 minutes of your day. <laughs> That's right. Know. We're uh, we're following up last week on hurricane relief and some of the things that have been happening here and ways that you can get yes. involved. Let me mute my phone so we are ready to roll. I should have done that before. I apologize. But uh, last week, Dave, we talked about um, sort of the aftermath of Hurricane Ida. Yes. Some of the immediate needs that we were facing as a church, as a community. And uh, what a lot of people began to ask is, what can I do? Or what should I be doing yeah. to help people in recovery and relief from um, something like a hurricane or a tornado or a fire, whatever it may be? And so there's some general things we can talk about today. Yes. About uh, sort of uh, ways that you can get involved with, um, with helping not only the immediate relief effort, but... Uh, the longer-term recovery and rebuilding effort, which follows something like a bad storm. Yeah, because that's typically where um, the public request and information about volunteers ends, is that in the short term, and then the long-term stuff where the people that are living through it, Yeah, that's that's kind of where... um, the needs just sort of disappear mm-hmm. yeah. and volunteers dry up resources uh, and s- some, some resources dry up, yeah. but there are definitely opportunities to mm-hmm. serve. So we'll, we'll get it. We'll get into that. Yeah. We just kind of want to talk about the whole process. Yeah. Cause um, you know, tragedies and crises typically bring out our desire to do good. Yeah. It, it does it in most people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we know by nature as fallen creatures, we are not good by nature. No. We're very selfish people. Right. But there's something about other people in in dire need, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. that all of a sudden triggers something in us that I think God put there yeah. for us to want to be selfless mm-hmm. and actually help someone. Yeah, there's something inherent or innate about even in the human spirit, that it can be very depraved, very selfish. Yeah. When we see people in a in a very difficult situation that they did not cause themselves uh, suffering, we want to somehow reach out to them and help them in some way. Yeah, I think that's something that God's instilled in us, and even the the worst of human beings can still find some kind of kindness in their hearts to help others. But the reality is, sometimes you can feel quite helpless and, yeah. and not know what to do. To help someone. Yeah. And what you don't want to do is waste your time or someone else's time or resources. You want to, you truly want to be helpful to someone. Yeah. And that can be difficult to, to kind of pinpoint how, what, or how you can do what you can do uh, to be the blessing to someone else. So that's what we're talking about here today. Very true. And you made an interesting comment. You talked about the worst in humanity. <laughs> um, that reminds me. Great transition. That reminds me, Warren. <laughs> so, you know, you and I love this uh, great show called Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Which features four of the worst people in humanity, absolutely, um, going about their lives in, in TV and television humanity. In television yeah. humanity, yeah. yes, <laughs> <laughs> not, not not exactly. No, they're not real people. You know, the, 
Yeah, some of the the despots and dictators uh, that right. we've had in history. Right, but right. yeah, in TV, these are very selfish people. Yes, Jerry, Elaine, George, and Kramer. But there was one particular episode where uh, at least Elaine, uh, George, and Jerry decided to kind of get on. Maybe George and Elaine. Jerry went along for the ride. Yeah, he's like he's always in it for the material, right? Sure. Uh, but they get into uh, volunteering. Yeah. Particularly is, with elderly people. Which is not in any way part of their normal character it is development. Not. It is um, not. Even in their in even in the most altruistic moments of their yeah. lives, they are selfish and um, yes. and self motivated in even their, their kindest moments in the show. So the fact that they signed up for volunteer service is a miracle in of itself. And of course the whole thing goes completely sideways, the wheels come off and it's a tragedy yeah. in the end. Um, but the conversation leading up to George and Jerry agreeing to do this with Elaine is quite hilarious in just the notion that you could actually help help another human being. Yes. So, so listen to George as he tries to understand what's going on. Right. Here. So so just to set us up, Jerry and George are at the cafe. Elaine comes in announcing that she has just signed up for this, okay? Mm-hmm. So here we go. Good. Volunteer work, huh? What are you going to do down there? Well, they say all it is is you go over to their apartment and... I don't know, you take them out for a walk, you get a cup of coffee, and it's supposed to make them feel good. That's what I did with them. <laughs> and, and anybody could do this? Yeah. Really? Helping people? <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. It makes perfect sense. Helping people makes perfect sense, Orin. Of course. Like, it's just dawning on this right. middle-aged man. Wait a minute. I can help people? This is brilliant. I can actually yeah. help another human being. Uh, this The way they wrote that part and George's honest response to Elaine's volunteerism is yeah. like, what a novel concept. Uh, yeah, yeah. I can help another person. Right. Wow. <laughs> yes, th- this is this is the guy who puts a tip on the table and then takes back part of it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, and so the idea that you can help people and makes them feel good, mm-hmm. makes you feel good, it's very appealing to George at this moment yeah. in his life. Yeah, this is the guy who screams, "We're living in a society." Yes, because something's happened. Someone's done something to him. Yeah, and it never <laughs> dawns on him to do something for someone, for someone else, else, something good for someone else. Oh, uh, that's yeah. a fact. It's a fa- it's a fantastic episode because, like, yeah. like I said, the whole thing just falls apart. All three of them have terrible experiences. Yeah, and uh, it's it's pretty wild. Yeah, and you know that whole thing is played up for laugh. I mean, they put all of them in. Really awkward, oh, sure. creepy right. situations right. with these these elderly people, mm-hmm. but sometimes volunteering can be a train wreck. Exactly, yeah. uh, you don't always know what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't know if um, the organization you're working with is actually reputable. Yeah, you're just trying to get plugged in, mm-hmm. right? Your mm-hmm. your heartstrings have been tugged. You, you want to get plugged in. You want to help. You gravitate to the very first thing that is looking for volunteers to come in and mm-hmm. do mm-hmm. X. And sometimes it just doesn't yeah. work out. Sometimes it's a great experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, don't want to make it sound like all volunteering is this wonderful of course not. thing no. that, no. like Elaine was just all bubbly about, oh, it's, it's just right. go get coffee and go for a walk, and it yeah. makes them feel better. Hooray. Yeah. It, it's not always like that. Right. It's, uh, sometimes it's you work. get burned. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes yeah. you 
sign up for something that is very good volunteer work, and it is, you realize, boy, what a drain yeah. and strain this is, particularly in things like hurricanes. Yep. Um, you know, the, given the type of work that has to be done, uh, you may not be emotionally prepared for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a big difference than, you know, maybe going and loading up a pallet full of re- uh, food and water uh, to be shipped yeah. uh, versus being in a person's home for mud out yeah, and the family's there mm-hmm. and their stuff is everywhere and they're having an emotional response to it. You're having an emotional yeah. response to it. Yeah. And the, the heat and the physical discomfort mm-hmm. is also kind of piling up on top of that. And so, and then you just keep, you'd go from that situation to the exact same situation, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Another person's home. Same ruined, story. Yeah. Same story, yeah. you know, Different and person. you're just living that out. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, volunteering um, in these situations can take a toll, but yeah. again, people are needed. Yeah, people are needed to yeah. step up mm-hmm. in ways uh, to help out. And there's a variety of ways to do that. So, a lot of times when we look at um, helping after an event like this, mm-hmm. people are looking at volunteering. Yeah, I give my time, mm-hmm. and then I give. Of my material possessions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've got, there's items that need to be collected. Maybe it's water, maybe it's food, maybe it's blankets, mm-hmm. just all kinds of things mm-hmm. it could it could be. Mm-hmm. But also I want to make a donation. Yeah. I want to give money to help. Yep. And that's typically the main thing we think about, right? Mm-hmm. Go give your time or give your resources. Right, right. Some people are not able, physically yeah. or time-wise, able to get away from their jobs or physically able to travel somewhere right. and do physical labor. But they can give a resource, a, mo- a monetary resource, yes. so that people who have the ability have the resources they need to distribute the water and the food and the blankets yeah. and whatever it may be. And and so it really requires everyone to do something in order for a major Correct. a major disaster like a hurricane or an earthquake to to help for to, to help people kind of get back on their feet. And and so money is probably I'm not gonna say it's well from a from an action standpoint, it is easier than actually showing up to work, right? Because it doesn't require sure. you to go anywhere. And so you may make a, a financial sacrifice in order to bless someone else, and that's a hard thing for you to do. But what you want to do is to make sure that your resources are going to a reputable charity, and someone that's actually going to utilize yeah. those resources for good and not put it in their pockets or waste With, it on, without a doubt. on overhead and things like that. Yeah, And so one of the things you see often in, among charities especially is every dime you give goes to blank. And it tells you kind of yeah. where all your money is going. And that kind of really is supposed to kind of uh, help the giver feel more comf- confident and comfortable giving their resources for that particular need. Um, and so if you are able to volunteer and, and put your hands in the dirt, so to speak, or to hand that bottle of water to that person in need, I would encourage you to do that so that you do get that experience. You mentioned earlier the person that's loading the pallet at the warehouse, they're yeah. going to have a certain experience with that. The person that's handing the water out to the people that need it is going to have a different experience with that, right? Without a doubt. So when you see the effect that a hurricane has had on a family or a church family, when they're looking at their church building and it's been overrun with water or this wind's blown the roof off and the pastor and his church are heartbroken over the loss of their building, you feel that's a very visceral experience for the one who wasn't in the storm but is now there to help the people who went through it. 
it can cause an emotional response from you. And I think in some ways it should cause an emotional response with you because you can put yourself in this situation and go, this must be really hard. My heart breaks for this person, this family, this church. Yeah. And so if you're able to volunteer in some capacity, I would encourage you to do that just because it's going to give you an experience that number one, you won't forget, but number two, something you can build on and be useful in future needs like this, whether it's another hurricane or somewhere else in the neighboring country or or state where you can go and serve people there as well. And so volunteer if you can. And then, and then if you want just simply to donate, make sure you're donating to a need that's been clearly stated. All right. Clearly stated. So really quick, let me give you a story. Um, Right after the hurricane here, a lady called us. Mm -hmm. She and her mother were driving from Illinois with a truck full of supplies. Yeah. So we asked her, who did you contact here? She said, nobody. Yeah. She was an hour out of Baton Rouge. She had driven 12 hours, to yeah. 13 hours to get here and didn't call a soul to find out what we needed. She just gathered a bunch of stuff and started coming. Yeah. And the reality is sometimes, particularly in the, the emergency relief um, period of this, a lot of the stuff isn't needed. Very true. Like clothes. Yeah. People in Lake Charles last year after the hurricane were saying, don't bring any more clothes. We have more than enough clothes. Yeah. We need shovels and buckets and we need stuff to help clean up first, you know? Yeah. And so if you're going to donate items, make sure you know what people are asking for so you can give them what they need. Because the people on the ground are going to know. This is what we we need water, right? We need shovels. We need buckets. We need gloves. We need towels. Give those things. And then when the call comes in for clothes, well, then you can give some clothes then as yeah. well. Um, just because you have a closet full of old clothes you don't want anymore doesn't mean that those people in that situation want it right now either. Right. It may be a while down the road before they're ready for that. Yeah, never assume the need. Right. Um, it, if you are outside of the impacted area, um, all, that's about all you can do because you're not experiencing that. And so you start filling in the blanks with what you yeah. assume, right. and oftentimes, believe it or not, it's incorrect. Yeah. And so you're responding out of the goodness of your heart, but unfortunately, you've wasted a lot of effort, mm-hmm. and you have brought in resources, in many cases, that have become a burden yeah. to the people that are actually trying to get the work done because now they have to deal with it. They don't need it, right? and you've brought it, and – they're having to find place for this and yeah. it's taking up space that other resources that, that are actually needed, um, you know, could, mm-hmm. could be placed. Sure. And so um, get informed. Mm-hmm. We know whenever it comes to item donations, make sure you're talking to the right people. Yeah. And there will always be uh, individuals and little groups to pop up in disasters like this yeah. who are trying to mobilize. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're quick with their own little website that they create and getting a number out there. Um, my advice not to give, you know, um, just a, a complete harsh criticism of those kind of folks. Mm-hmm. They, they mean well, but my advice is to not go through those channels yeah. because typically they are not connected mm-hmm. with the majority of the efforts on the ground. They're just trying to help. Yeah. And they're over eager to help mm-hmm. and bless their hearts. They've, they've just put a lot of work in and they're 
going to be in over their heads. Typically, that's what happens yeah. with those individuals or those groups is when people respond, they because they don't have the connections, mm-hmm. they get overwhelmed. Yeah. And they get overwhelmed quickly. And so you want to identify good organizations ahead of time. Absolutely. That can handle your donations, distribute your donations responsibly, and where you can feel very comfortable, very safe that what I've done is being used. Yep, exactly. no, nobody wants to feel like their donation, their financial gift has somehow been squandered. Right, right. Yeah, you want to know, and, and you know, big, because you want to know that your gift, your donation is being used properly, that's why it would be best to go with an organization that's done this kind of work before. Yes. Someone that's been down this road has some experience with some of these things, they're going to know, they would have learned through some hard lessons how to utilize resources to the, to the, to the most, or the, or the, or the, to the highest degree, I guess, what right. you say, so that the most people can be blessed by what you give, by what you donate, yeah. whether it's money or, or goods of some sort. And so if you want to rally your friends, family, church family, and you're outside of that disaster area and you want to help, do a 15-minute do a search for the, the people that are already on the ground doing the work and find yes. out what they need and contact them. Yeah. And say, what do y'all need? What do you mm-hmm. need most? Say, well, we need volunteers. Okay, we got some of those. What else do you need? Mo- yeah. Monetary, whatever. We need water. We need this, that, or the other. And then collect those things and bring it to them and bless yeah. them with that. Um, you will be opportunity to do other things down the road, but the initial need is an, sort of an emergency. So they're going to need emergency yeah. goods, so to speak, yeah. from that very beginning. Without a doubt. And so, you know, what you have is you have a short-term opportunity through the relief effort yeah. to serve. And so that's a lot about what we just talked about, volunteering, yeah. yep. giving your resources. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I think some folks, particularly that are um, not necessarily in the middle of it, but they have they they're impacted in some way. Mm-hmm. I don't often think about is just being a good neighbor. Yeah, like if you fare pretty well and you've got the mental capacity mm-hmm. to go and give to others, mm-hmm. right? Because if your man, if your place is wrecked, you've got water, you've got roof damage. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't even have a roof. Yeah, like you don't have the mental capacity to go help someone else. Mm-hmm. It's just your every effort that you have, every fiber of your being is focused on your situation. Right. And so just going and being a good neighbor is checking in on people. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have the capacity to uh, even do something as simple as uh, just a basic meal, mm-hmm. um, just make even make a sandwich yeah. and just say, Hey, listen, I know your life is upside down right now. I just, I've just made you a little lunch mm-hmm. just to help out. Yeah. Little things like that. Go a, long, go a way. long way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if, if you have a neighbor who's maybe have volunteers over at their house and they're serving that person with cleanup, yeah. and your home is relatively unharmed, take care of those volunteers. Yeah. You know, bring them some food, bring them a snack, bring them some yeah. water, encourage them, and that will help their work go better so that your mm-hmm. neighbor can be served um, in, in, the, in the long, I guess the short and, and long term, of getting their home back in order. And so... Serving your neighbor goes a long way. That's yeah. what a neighborhood is for. Right. Right. You serve the people immediately around you. Take care of your family yeah. and the people immediately around you. And if everybody does that, then everyone should be taken care of, you know? Um, so we saw that in my own neighborhood. You know, we didn't have a lot of 
really terrible damage mm-hmm. right where we were. We had some power outages and a lot of trees were down, yeah. but nothing major right where we were. But further out, there was a lot of damage. And so all of our neighbors got together. We were picking up sticks and limbs, cutting them up and putting them on the road. And right. it was, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't hard, hard labor. It was some, yeah. some labor, but it was helping particularly those that are elderly or older. Yeah. Just to serve them and help them out a little bit, and uh, that's that's all you really have to do, you know. Or, or at least that's where you start is with your is with is with your neighbors, yeah. And then you work outward from from that to the places that have a much higher need, right? Um, you know, when you have these storms come through, uh, and you're staying, and you make it through okay, um, it's good that before you go through that experience, just think how how will I how will I serve my neighbors? Yeah, think about it. And so one of the one of my ways, Orrin, that I always think about is even if I don't have power, if I, especially if I don't have power, yeah. I've told you before, jokingly, but it's very true. I've got like five different ways to make coffee. <laughs> yeah. And so I'd already, I already made up my mind. I had plenty of coffee. Uh-huh. I said, we lose power. We get the next morning. I said, I'm going to brew as much coffee as I can and make sure my neighbors, yeah. if, if I don't hear a generator humming yeah. and offer them a cup of coffee, mm-hmm. because it doesn't matter how hot it is. Just there's something about there's something getting comforting, about, comforting about a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we may all be in the same boat for our time being, mm-hmm. but I knew I had that capacity yeah. to just make some coffee that morning and offer it to people. Yeah, and if you're wondering if people that live in South Louisiana after a hurricane, when it's 100 degrees outside, would drink coffee? You better believe you we better will. You better believe we will. <laughs> That's right. We're dripping Absolutely. wet, sweating from moving limbs. We will limbs. have a cup of coffee. I will have a cup of coffee with you. Amen. That's right. Well, we had one of our church members, when we did the um, the hot meal cool room, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they've been sitting in a hot house like all that time. Yeah. They walk into the building. They make a beeline for the coffee pot. Mm-hmm. And fix a cup of coffee, and as they're putting it to their lips, I heard them say, "Nothing like a good cup of coffee." <laughs> I was like, "That, that, yep." They were literally sweating, sweating. Their beats of yeah. sweat on I their mean, head. Their hair is their, matted to their yeah. forehead. Yeah, so and uh, I mean that to get that hot is, cup of coffee felt so good to and them. And there's nothing strange about that to us. Like no, if I see that, I no. don't think anything yeah. weird about that. Yeah. You know, so it maybe put a, people it put a smile on my face because I was like, I, I get that. I so get that. <laughs> maybe people from other parts of the country or the world would think we're yeah. nuts, but not down here, baby. This is the yep. way it works. It's yeah. true. Yeah. So yeah, just finding those ways to be a good neighbor. Know how you can help people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just asking around, that's a great way if you're in the middle of it to just begin to just yeah. serve and love others, finding those ways to do that. Mm-hmm. And then what's the kind of the volunteer aspect of this with the relief is done? The initial rush. The yeah. initial rush, yeah. right? The, the media stops covering it, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, you don't see the, uh, the pleas and the ads from places like Red Cross and, and other folks. Right. Uh, as much anymore. Well, what then? Mm-hmm. Well, there is the long-term reality that we have to deal with. Yep. If your house is is a complete loss, roof, roof is ripped off, hurricane just dumps mm-hmm. water Six into it. Six feet of water in your house. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. Everything starts to mold. It starts to go bad. You know, nothing is salvageable. Mm-hmm. Well, you may have had volunteers come in and help you clean off your property, maybe mud out if that was if that was a need. Maybe they ripped out sheetrock. But now they're gone. Yeah. And it's on you and your ability to finagle 
the best settlement with that insurance mm-hmm. company mm-hmm. to try to put all this back together. Yep. And sometimes that situation seems worse than the initial tragedy. Yeah. Because now your 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 brain realizes the long term road ahead. Mm-hmm. And then you look around and go, where did everybody go? Yep. And you start to feel very lonely mm-hmm. and you start to just feel really even a new sense of being overwhelmed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It was overwhelmed, not knowing what to do. Here come the volunteers. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank goodness. I'm so happy for them. And now it's just like, how much money is this going to cost me? Yep. How am I going to get the materials? How am I going to do this? When, when, am I, when will I ever be able to put my house and life back to mm-hmm. some sense of normalcy? Yep. And now you're in the ugly part of it. Yeah. Because maybe the insurance didn't want to pay. Yeah. Maybe there's a huge price hike on materials. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can't get a contractor out there for a month and a half yep. to even come look at it yep. because they're swamped. Mm-hmm. And you're just going, what do I do? Yeah. I, I remember the experience we had here with the flood was because I had flood insurance, I had money coming to me to cover all my expenses to yeah. put my house back together. The problem was the insurance companies and the mortgage companies don't cooperate well with you so there is a bit of a feeling like you're at someone else's mercy when you're really trying to get your your house back in order literally trying to put your house back together and there's you know there's a lot of resources that are donated and given on the initial beginning of of a a tragedy a a devastation like this but weeks and months later that money dries up and now you're depending on FEMA or you're depending on the government or yeah. other charitable organizations to kind of nickel and dime this thing along along the way. And so all of your earliest questions got answered. And now your next set of questions, which are much more extensive, don't have a lot of answers. And you feel yeah. a little bit helpless. You may even literally be homeless and feel helpless in that sure. situation. And so that's where going back to being a good neighbor can help. You can yeah. help people that are in that situation. But we have to be able to, as as um, as persons, help the others identify what's troubling them. Like, yes, I can't fix your financial problems, but I might be able to serve you another way. Yeah, I might better bring some comfort to your life, even though I can't build your house back together for you. you right, know, I can't strong arm the insurance company to give you what they owe you, um, but I can be there for you. I can be with you. I can help you in some of the physical things you may have in your home. You know. There's some ways you can serve that doesn't yeah. answer all the questions, but it may bring some relief to that person's life because this is going to be a longer stage, right? Much like longer. The yeah. first stage is, is weeks, maybe a month. Yeah. The next stage is the hard part. It takes a long time to get through it. Months, years maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the needs are greater. Yeah. When they're, when, like, like you said before, when the adrenaline sort of goes down yeah. and you're really able to stop and think, okay, what's really happening here? Oh, my goodness, look at everything I have to do now. Yeah. It can be overwhelming. And so if you have knowledge of how these things work, you can give me a great aid to people to go, hang on. Yeah. Let me walk you walk with you through this process. Um, I'll tell a story. The year after it flooded here was when Hurricane Harvey hit Houston. Right. And so uh, our worship leader here at First Baptist, Jason's from Houston. He connected us with his home church there. And we went out to the community with some volunteers, and we did mm-hmm. some work. And there was a man who had left his house during the hurricane to go stay with his mother, who was elderly and living at home. His house flooded pretty badly, yeah. and he hadn't been back in his house in a week mm. in, the, in the Texas heat. Yeah. So when we walked in there that day, he had just gotten there, and there was mold on everything. It yeah. was disgusting. And he didn't know what. He was completely helpless. And I said, brother, I said, I did this to my own house last year. 
and a lot of other people's as well. We know what we're doing. Let us help you. And so we told him what had to happen. We got to tear all these walls out. There's mold everywhere. We got to tear all the wall. We got to tear all the walls out, man. Trust me. So we started ripping everything out. Yeah, you know, and we took out cabinets and we took out wall and sheetrock and paneling and flooring. I mean, we took everything out. Yeah, and he was he was very upset because he wasn't sure what was going to come back. He had flood insurance, mm-hmm. and uh, FEMA was going to come in and help, and so those resources were coming. And it's overwhelming to see that. Yeah, and to go, what's of my life now? Where right. the place that I live and dwelt is gone. I'll have a roof over my head, but there's nothing inside. It just, you feel homeless. You feel helpless. You mm-hmm. really do. Yeah. But I think he was comforted the reality that all of us that were there helping him understood what he was going through. And I think that was a help for him. And so yeah. if, you, if you have common ground to stand on with someone, stand on it with them and help them to know that you've been through this before you've seen it and you're going to help them through it as much as you can, that they're going to get through it because God is good and he strengthens his people. Yeah. And you're going to surround them with the kind of care and love that they need to endure that that hardship for however long it's going to be. Um, don't give them false hope. Give them genuine real right. hope, which is more about your presence in their life, being near to them, than promising them things that you can't, that you can't, you know, come, come, come through on. Um, and so offer what you can, do what you can, and understand that it's going to be a much longer process than the initial phase of, of, of yeah. relief. Yeah, it looks a lot different. Yeah. It really does. And so when you when you are involved in that recovery and rebuild phase, it's it's not it's you're no longer packing pallets yeah. uh, and distributing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this is a lot more meticulous. Yeah. And you're really getting more into the your need as a volunteer to empathize and sympathize with uh, the victims of the the storm or, or whatever's happened mm-hmm. because this is now such a more of a, an emotional journey. Yeah. Like the, the frenzy of the initial cleanup has happened mm. and now everything like the, the, the tank mm-hmm. is depleting yeah. rapidly and they're so laser focused in on putting their life back together that oftentimes they're not stopping to care for themselves. Exactly. And so you're coming into someone's life in that chaos and in those low points, and you just kind of need to understand and know. And so that's why I think long-term partnerships are so important. So that, you know, when you come down for relief, well, it doesn't matter who you're helping. You're helping. But in the long term, what a partnership does is it allows you to be in front of some of the same people for many months. Times. Yep. Many times you get to build a relationship with them. Uh, you get a chance to kind of hear their story. It's another family better. It's another neighborhood better. And so now you become uh, this new f- friend, mm-hmm. not just a volunteer, but a new friend and helper in this journey with them. Mm-hmm. And so through partnerships, you're, you're kind of anchoring yourself to maybe one or two projects mm-hmm. rather than maybe you helped on 15 as a relief right, volunteer. Right, right. And you're trying to see that through. And so for believers, uh, one of the best places to begin doing that are churches that are impacted yeah, because they have membership mm-hmm. needs mm-hmm. and they have needs as a probably a church facility. And so partnering with another church is a good way moving forward 
and you can begin working through them. Again, same thing applies as does relief. What are your needs? What are your needs? Exactly. You know, one of the yeah. things that we struggled with, honestly, after Katrina was once we kind of got to that recovery rebuild phase, we still had people who wanted to just do whatever they wanted to do. Right. Right. They stopped, some people stopped asking, what are your needs? Yeah. And they would show up in New Orleans, we're going to do this. And we'd be like, we have no need for that. Oh, man. But, we, but we, here we this are. Is what we, we we've do. come. This is mm-hmm. what we want to do. Mm-hmm. But you don't understand, there is zero need for this. Right. However, I've got a list of things that you can jump in and do right now. We don't want to do that. We can't prepare for this. Right. And you're just thinking, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. You know, now that was exceptions. You know, sure. most volunteers were like, what do you need? Mm-hmm. But I have to kind of share that just by way of warning. If you're not careful, you can fall into that. Mm-hmm. Keep asking, what do you need? Yep. And if they go, oh, you know, if their church is just jacked up and they're like, oh, well, you know, I, I think, you know, no, I need you to tell me what you need. Mm-hmm. Because there's also a lot of pride on the end of, on the side of victims sometimes. Oh, sure. Where they don't want to ask for the hard help. Mm-hmm. They've asked for the quick help. Mm-hmm. The mud out's been done. The cleanup's been done. Or supplies have been brought in. Mm-hmm. But now the help they need exposes them in a new way. Yep. Now you've got to know how desperate we are financially. Yep. Now you have to understand uh, how this is really devastating our church membership. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm just not ready for you to see that side of us yet. Right. And so you may have to just kind of put a kind hand on there and say, listen, we, we really want you to tell us honestly, mm-hmm. what do you need? Yeah, we, we're not saying we can meet the need. Right. But you need but to just, tell us. Just tell us. Yeah, if you need a new roof on your church, yeah. tell us. Right. If we can't do it, maybe we can find someone who can. Yeah. Like, yeah. if you don't tell us, we don't know. And if we don't know, we can't help you. Right. You, you need to give those people the freedom to say, listen, we just need fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars because our insurance was we didn't have the kind of insurance mm-hmm. and it's not going to cover everything. Mm-hmm. You may not have fifty thousand dollars, yeah, but maybe between you and ten of the churches, you can yeah. figure that out. Mm-hmm. But if you don't give them the freedom and encourage them to say, "Look, we just want to know. Mm-hmm. Tell us what you need. Find out the needs and then work with that. And also get creative, sure. Get creative because there's going to be some people that in the recovery rebuild phase, they're going to be built for this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're a jack of all trades and they need someone to go put that roof on, mm-hmm. but that's not you. No. Like you don't, you can't hammer a nail in a board. You have no business being save, on the roof. Yeah. Right. To save Please your don't get life. on the roof. Yeah. Yeah. But what can you do? Well, consider the, the, the community at large, consider the families, uh, consider those who are there. Mm-hmm you may be able to provide some some respite mm-hmm. and some relief in ways that a person swinging a hammer can't. Mm-hmm. You may be able to go in there and say, listen, let us take you out of this situation mm-hmm. for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Maybe you talk to the church, say, do you have a family that just needs to get away? They're, they're just overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And you go to that family and it's like, we've got a place, we're going to put you up. We're going to take you to a, a nice meal. We've got you passes to the movies. You just whatever it is, yeah. right? Maybe yeah. maybe it's it's not the help you think that is needed, yeah. 
but it may be the help that for that family keeps them from an absolute mental breakdown sure. yeah. and rescues them mm-hmm. because again, they're not stepping away from it till it's done. It's not going to, and, and it's not yeah. going to get easier. Right. Right. When they go on that respite and they come home, they still got to deal with it. They still got to deal with it. But that respite is going to strengthen them and embolden them to keep going. Yeah. Right. It helps th- kind of reset things for them. I think about like some of these younger couples who maybe there's a mama with a baby or two that are tiny, like, like a toddler and a baby on the hip. And yeah. she so badly needs to get into her home and fix what's broken and repair. Yeah. But she has nobody to care for her children. Exactly. If you could go and just care for her children for a few hours, yeah. she, can, she can get to work in her house. Yeah. Take care of her stuff. Yeah. Um, in some cases, you may have a grandparent that's nearby that can do that, but maybe they don't. Maybe yeah. maybe it's just her and her husband. Maybe it's just her by herself. Maybe it's just her right. mama. And she's got two little ones at home, and there's no one to care for those children. She can't just set them down and go to work. Yeah. She needs someone to take care of those babies. So maybe you have the skills to do that. You can entertain those children for a few hours and let that lady get in there and take yeah. care of her home. That's a simple thing, but it man, is. it goes a long way, yeah. a long way. And that's where partnerships come in exactly. because you and I just can't roll down to these affected areas. Can, can I take your kids off your hands? Right, right. They may, be de- they may be desperate enough to say, yes, thank you. Yeah, but not likely. But not likely right, because right. It, that's just weird. Mm-hmm. Partnerships. Help build relationships. But if she's a member of such and such church and you show up from such and such church, our churches are partnering with one another. Yeah. We're going to help your church. Yeah. She's more likely to trust you with her children. There's some, there's some trust yeah, that's exactly. being established exactly. up front. And so, yeah, you can go and do that. And you can bless people in unique ways yeah. that just a, a weekend warrior probably cannot. Sure. And so I, I strongly encourage partnership. Like, don't forget about the people once the media is gone. Mm-hmm. Like, their lives are still jacked up. I mean, look. It's been over a year since Laura wrecked oh, Lake Charles. People are still going down there. And Lake Charles is still wrecked. It's a mess. It's still mess. wrecked. We, this will be the case in some parts of southeast Louisiana this time next year. Yeah, we, we drove through Lake Charles back in early August. We're on vacation to Texas, yeah. and we drove by. We saw blue tarps on roofs everywhere. Yeah, It's been over a year, and it's still a mess because this is what hurricanes do. And so we're likely to have that same effect, not necessarily in Baton Rouge, but further south from us. Yeah. It's likely to be the case. So I know our church is going to be looking to partner with a church down on the coast yeah, somewhere absolutely. where there's a need, and we're going to try to go down there and help them out. Uh, we, we have some resources and some and some contacts that we can find out where the needs are. Um, but we encourage you as a person. You can do that through your local church. You can do that through a charity maybe you're part of. You can do that on your own. You can just yeah. find a family that you know. Maybe you have a, a an aunt or an uncle that lives somewhere, and their home is relatively fine, but their neighbors isn't. Go down there and help your aunt and uncle serve their neighbors, you know? Yeah. Um, you can find some things that you can do, and if you feel like, in, in, or if you know that you're physically unable to go and serve like that, there's still some things that 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 you can do. You can contribute, like we said. You can write notes and cards to encourage people. Yeah, that's that's an important ministry. People just can just read a nice note from someone saying, "We're praying for you. We love you. We're here to serve you." Yeah, that could carry them on through the course of that yeah. day or week to keep working hard to get yeah. their life back in order. There's something for everyone to do, but we just have to we have to put our hands and feet to it. Yeah, and so without a doubt, and so the the long term effect, or uh, the, the long term work, is much greater than that initial few weeks of, of immediate recovery and relief. Yeah, um, this rebuilding phase is much longer, um, and it, it takes a lot of patience and a lot of a lot of people invested in that process. It does, without a doubt. But there are going to be those opportunities to serve and and serve well. Yeah, and so what we don't want uh, anyone to do as these situations play out, particularly like what we're dealing with with Ida Mm -hmm. is to 
number one, uh, find a bad group to work with. Right. Do your research during the relief phase. Find groups that are doing it well. And, of course, we're going to have to give a plug for our Southern Baptist Disaster Relief. For sure. Not only do they provide a means through which people can volunteer in some cases, they also provide a means for folks to give. Yep. And with uh, any of our state uh, Baptist disaster relief groups, every penny actually does go to the field. Exactly right. Uh, none of that's wasted. It's, it's all accounted for. Uh, and in fact, if you want to check the books on that, you are actually welcome to request. Them. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, and so um, it always feels good to know that your money is not going to pay someone's salary yep. or uh, to, to put new tires on their truck yeah, or look, something For like the that. record, if you don't know about disaster relief, yeah. the volunteers that come into an area do not get put up in hotels. Correct. They either sleep on church floors yeah, or they have a local camp that they go to or they have campers that they, they bring themselves. Yes. They do not spend any money that was donated to the DR mm-hmm. for themselves. Every dime goes to the relief effort. Yeah. That is supplies. That is recovery, that's equipment, whatever it takes to get people back on their feet. Right. So with other charities, they do a lot of good work, but there's overhead costs to the people that work Correct. for them. This is completely volunteer-based. Not a dime yeah. goes to the people doing the work. They are there right. because they love their neighbor. They're simply serving out of the goodness of their hearts. Yeah. And Disaster Relief, we talked about this last week, is the largest volunteer uh, group Outside the Red Cross, probably, Correct. in our country. Yeah. And if Red Cross isn't the first Out, on the scene, outside we Outside the National Guard yeah. and the Red Cross, Southern Baptist Disaster Relief. And so when you see those yellow shirts in a disaster area, you know who those people are. None of them are being paid to be there. Yeah. They're not getting any money from this. Right. They're completely there because they love their neighbor. And so so you can understand for sure that if you give your money to that resource, to that, comp- that the company, that group, everything you give is going to go to the right place. It's not going to be wasted. Yes, and we're going to include, I'll include a link in the show notes. We also have a link in our live stream right now for our local Louisiana State Disaster yeah. Relief. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to check that out, you're welcome to do so. But um, when it gets to the long-term stuff, yeah. uh, again, um, disaster relief ends, but those same mechanisms mm-hmm. are typically, they move in. So for us as, as Southern Baptists, our North American Mission Board, yeah typically kind of picks up the mantle at that right, point. Right. Uh, we don't know yet what the plans are for right. long-term recovery for Ida, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I I am confident there will be an organized effort uh, to help put people back in homes, to put uh, communities of faith back together mm-hmm. so they can get to worshiping and serving their community once again. And so those are always good avenues to mm-hmm. go down because, again, you can trust it. They've got the manpower to oversee all of that mm-hmm. and they're, they're going to make wise use of yeah. all of the resources yeah. and you can trust that. So there are great ways to do that, but we definitely want to encourage you to, if you've thought about volunteering, helping out in some way, um, go ahead and, and find that, mm-hmm. that avenue for for you to do so. Um, but don't forget about the long-term opportunities right. Right. and maybe go back and talk to your church and just say, Hey, um, can we keep our eyes open for, Potential partnerships down the road mm-hmm. uh, to help these these churches in their communities in the long term recovery. Amen. Amen. God God opens doors for us to serve, um, and there those doors don't close when the immediate need is gone. They're long term needs, which is why Christians all around in every community uh, should be looking for those opportunities to op- to walk through those doors as God gives them to us. Mm-hmm. 
Hey, we want to thank everyone for joining us for this episode. I hope it's helpful. Helping people. Helping people. What a novel concept. It is a novel concept. That's the key, Oren. <laughs> that's what's been missing all this time. So uh, go out there and find a way to bless someone this week, yes. even if it's not uh, with Hurricane Ida relief. Go love on your neighbors and uh, let them see uh, just the good works that God has, has put into your life um, through the gospel. Yep. And... Um, there you go. We'll be back uh, hopefully next week with a brand new topic. Brand new. I have no idea what it's going to be, but. Me neither. We'll figure it we'll out. We'll figure it out. Yep. See you guys. Thank you all.